What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Welcome, one and all, to Monday Football Monday here on the SB Nation NFL Show. A reminder before we get going that this show is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. As noted, it's Monday Football Monday, which means today is Monday. It is March 20th, 2023. We are one week into free agency if you count the legal tan period so we have a lot to get to we're going to talk about winners losers teams that have gotten better and worse as free agency has gone along you can access this show in a number of different ways if you subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show wherever you get your podcast you can listen to us on the go subscribe leave a rating ride review you can of course watch us on the SB Nation NFL YouTube channel as well if you want to see our bright shining beautiful faces the fantastic Rachel Prevet as always has the controls so we are flying at the altitude that she deems best uh, my name is RJ Ochoa, and with me, fresh off of signing a contract with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it is Michael Peterson, a.k.a. Baker Mayfield. Michael, I know that you are a resident of a, of a rather frigid environment, so uh, I'm pumped for you that you and your family get to head down south at Tampa Bay. Every time I do the show, I can't believe I keep forgetting that that's like the running joke here is the Baker Mayfield. So every single time you start doing it, my eyes roll out of my head, and uh, I don't even know where to go from here. You know what? It would be nice to, to, to spend some time in Florida. Um, as I told you before the show, there's all kinds of snow up here in Minnesota. I'm sick of it. It's mm-hmm. been six strong months of Mother Nature just dumping on us. And uh, I'd like to grill. I would like to cook some things outside. And uh, it, she won't let me. Well, um that sucks. I mean, I don't have to deal with snow in my environment. Um, you're starting to sound like Baker. Maybe I'm just like manifesting this so much that like I- I'm just believing it more and more as I say it. Um, I wanted to get your take on a-, a Buccaneers thing, actually, before we get to some, you know, obviously winners and losers of free agency so far. I've made this note to Pete before. Um, so my wife and I, we took our honeymoon in Florida. We went and, you know, did a bunch of cool stuff. And we were driving one day and we passed a sign that said Boca Raton. And I thought that if I was on the Buccaneers, like if you and I were teammates, right, say Baker Mayfield and I'm Mike Evans, right? Fellow fighting Texas Aggie. Um, I would, if I was a leader, I would say, you know what, guys, we have to take a trip every year, every summer. We have to go to Boca Raton and we'll call it the Bocaneers. We'll get koozies, we'll get tank tops, we'll get, you know, those like plastic flimsy sunglasses. Like that should be a thing, the Bocaneers. Why is that not a thing? That's my question. Uh, I think that's really good. I think you should be paid mm-hmm. for your good ideas because they're so flawless. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought you were about to fit in a Baker Raton joke, and so I was prepared for that. Uh-huh. Um, I think you missed wow. a prime opportunity to continue driving that in. Um, but no, phenomenal idea. I love team uh, building exercises and especially vacations because those are better than exercises. So great idea all the way around. Right. There will be no ropes courses um, in the uh, the Bocaneers, uh, Baconeers, uh, whatever. That That's get ahead of that, by the way, the Baconeers, um, you know, as we get ready for the 2023 season. Uh, this show will hopefully get you out of here in an, under an hour. Uh, unlike the new Taylor Swift tour, which is apparently like four hours. Have you seen the reports out of this, Michael? I, uh, the this her, It's like 44 songs that she's putting on. At, like during a concert, a single concert? Yeah, I, during during a singular concert, it's like 44 That seems like quite the um, reward for fans who obviously went through all like, there was like the ticketing drama, right? Like people just right, weren't able right, to go right, through yeah. that and then that solved. And now, you know, she's like, well, I'm sorry, you guys had to wait for Taylor. You're going to get all of Taylor in this one night. Um, so maybe I can see the reasoning, but I can't say I would be a fan of, you know, standing in the pit if they do that at Taylor concerts for hours on it there's a lot of moshing happening at her concert so that yeah i mean that makes sense um okay well we (laughs) 
Uh, we've already hit on uh, Minnesota, uh, the Great North. We've hit on uh, Baker Mayfield, the Buccaneers. We've hit on Taylor Swift. Um, so I think that that covers all bases. We're going to go call it what you want. Winners, losers, teams that improved, teams that didn't improve, whatever the case may be. But Michael Peterson, you are our fantastic guest. People can check out Bolts from the Blue, of course, always uh, to get your thoughts and opinions on the Los Angeles Chargers. I don't think that they're going to be on this list either way, um, but I'm curious to see um, who has improved, who's gotten worse. Um, your thoughts as we sit now one week out of legal tampering and free agency. Yeah, I think uh, one that um, is very popular right now is the Bears. Um, it is a team that, you know, has Justin Field, the quarterback, has some young, exciting players. Um, I consider them winners because they did the smart thing and traded away the first overall pick, and they got DJ Moore, a bona fide wide receiver one for Fields to throw to after he kind of dealt with some middling guys and some injuries this past season. They got more picks to allow them to continue building around Justin Fields. Um, and then one of the uh, signings I like the most is actually offensive guard Nate Davis. Um, I remember him uh, at the Senior Bowl, you know, a handful of years back. I thought he was going to be a great young guard at uh, North Carolina Charlotte. Ends up going to the Titans where he starts immediately is a big reason why Derrick Henry had so much, so much success uh, rushing over the last few years. Now he goes over to the Bears and hopefully allows them to unleash Khalil Herbert a little bit more. David Montgomery is gone. Some people might see that as a, as a big loss. He was a former second round pick who was seemingly going to be the running back of the future. He could do it all through the air and on the ground. Um, but all of a sudden this past year, in, in, instead, Khalil Herbert came out and rushed for a lot of yards whenever he got the chance. And so I really like their their path to building the offensive line and really now leaning into Herbert as their RB1 going forward. Big fan of this pick. Uh, my dog's name is Bear. I also just happen to like the Bears. Like I think we all kind of have these teams that we just kind of like low-key like. Um, I hope the Cowboys are one of yours. I don't know that we've ever had this conversation, but whatever. I don't want to make it awkward. Um, so love the Bears. Love the vibes. Love what's going on. I love Matt Eberflus. Uh, so I'm just really, really happy. Love Justin Fields. Like everything about this team is clicking. Um, they went super linebacker heavy. I don't know if you know, but that is how I know Matt Eberflus, at least. He was the linebacker's coach for the Cowboys um, back in the Sean Lee days and was a big reason for Sean Lee kind of developing and growing. And that, you know, launched his career with the Indianapolis Colts being their defensive coordinator. He also was a part um, of kind of the recruitment of Leighton Van Der Esch as well. Um, so Tremaine Edmonds is now there, right? Like, you know, they're, I mean, he's not even the only one. Like TJ Jefferson, I mean, like they are all, like it, it, it just feels like they're doing everything right. I mean, you know, it, it's kind of cool to see like everything um, sort of being manifested. Shout out to Lovey Smith, who secured them that number one overall pick. I don't think enough is being made of this, like that the Texans blew this. You know, you mentioned everything that they got. DJ Moore is not a Chicago Bear, if not for the Texans winning that final game. Um, they also, I mean, like to your point, are, are adding in free agency all over the place and everything around them is is working out. I, The Lions, it feels like the the like, you know, energy around the lines cooled as the season ended like everybody was all in right the final game of the regular season this team's going to be amazing blah 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 uh jamie reisman isn't here otherwise he might have something to say about this but the, the bears are kind of coming along the packers are obviously falling apart the vikings i i'm going to spoil i know that's your territory i have them on the losers list right now so like things are looking up for the bears maybe not in 2023 specifically but like the you know the darkest part of the night is well beyond or well behind chicago at this point yeah, I absolutely agree. And, and crazy enough, uh, you started throwing out TJ Edwards and, and the Tremaine Edmonds picks. And, you know, when I was sitting thinking about the Bears, I was thinking about all these other things that I thought were great. And I didn't even remember that all these other really good free agent pickups that they've had because that's how good of an offseason they've had. I mean, that defense uh, is going to get two really athletic uh Linebackers, Edwards is more of a more physical punisher in between the tackles. Edmonds can be a physically imposing presence, but he still has that huge upside athletically, sideline to sideline range. And I'll never get over how young he is at this point. He is, I want to say, 24 years old as of right now, and he's spent four or five years in the NFL at this point. Was drafted at 19 years old. I know, I think the math is easier than I, I'm making it out to be, but my brain doesn't wrap around that well. He spent three seasons in college and got drafted at 19 years old. It's just absolutely insane in terms of, you know, some may say Edmonds isn't uh, as elite as many others want to believe he is, but you can't beat the experience and the age and the contracts and all this stuff. I mean, you're, you're paying a little bit more for the time you may have with him. If he pans out even further, progresses further, then you've got a guy who can be there for a long time. And the Bears love having good linebackers that they can uh, support, right? This is Mike Singletary, Brian Urlacher. I mean, this is a, this is a franchise where players want, or fans want to support 
a strong, intimidating, aggressive defense. And linebackers are a really easy piece for line, our Bears fans to connect to. So I really do like all of these moves. I just recognized that I said TJ Jefferson instead of TJ Edwards. Yeah, TJ Jefferson is the um, one of the producers on the Rich Eisen show. That's why his name was hot on my mind, I guess. Um, so he's a Cowboys fan also. Just okay. shoot one the Cowboys in at every opportunity. Um, I agree with you. I mean, big time win for the Bears. I know the trade technically happened before all this, like, you know, free agency stuff. Um, but things are looking very, very up for the Chicago Bears. So kudos to them. Congratulations. Everything they can control, everything they can't control. Um, they're on easy street right now. So shout out to the Bears. Um, should we go to the negative side of the spectrum? Should we sure, do a loser at this point? Um, well, I, I guess like to get rid of like a potential spoiler, I mentioned the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I, I, this bums me out because I believed in the Vikings, but I just like, so I guess we're going to get a Justin Jefferson contract extension at some point this offseason. That feels inevitable at this point. So, I mean, I recognize things have to, you know, be laid in place for that. Adam Thielen's out and I'm not like bummed about that for the Vikings, but okay, like, what's what's the plan? Like, you know, there's, there's rumors that they want to be done with Dalvin Cook. Um, there's rumors that they were considering moving on from Kirk Cousins this offseason. Like, the Vikings feel so directionless. And that bums me out because I think that Justin Jefferson is insanely talented. I think that Kirk Cousins is very good and certainly good enough to win with. Uh, there was the weird Zadarius Smith, like, you know, announcing himself as being gone and the Vikings being like, just kidding, that's not actually true. Like, the Vikings feel very rudderless to me. Um, and that's a shame because I – I know I just poo-pooed the Lions a little bit. The Lions are a little bit active. I mean, they just signed Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, you know, the night before we're recording this or streaming this. And so the Lions are active. The Bears are active. The Packers, I know they are in a weird place right now, but I think we trust them to figure things out. The Vikings are the only team that we really can't assign any level of trust to at this point. Yeah, I uh, I think I'm very middling on where I think them. I don't know if I'd consider them so much a loser, but they definitely haven't done anything to, I guess, force us to keep them out of the loser section. Uh, Adam Thielen lost. That's a good way to yeah, put it. Yeah, I, you know, you said the Adam Thielen loss doesn't really do much for you. I, you know, having someone watch Thielen a lot um, over the years, I always thought he he played his role, whatever it was, well for the Vikings. You know, he had the years where he was going over a thousand yards, catching a lot of passes while Justin Jefferson comes in. And I think he did a really good job of being a number two yes his yardage and catches uh went down but the guy still scored touchdowns and especially in situations where they needed him the most he was still very good near the goal line and in, in the red zone he just knew how to get open and i think he's going to be good for the panthers and their their young quarterback i think he's just going to be one of those safety valve guys near the the end of his career yeah the dalvin cook news is is weird as well you had derwin james um like quote tweeting a highlight video from Dalvin Cook's Twitter and like just using the emoji for as like the caption. And that made Chargers fans freak out. Like, is he recruiting Dalvin Cook? Like what's going on? You saw them re-sign uh, Alexander Madison for two years, which was a little bit of a surprise because I think Madison is a, is a heck of a back. I think if the Vikings did move on from Cook, they would be pretty fine uh, with Madison. But him bringing back kind of made me go, well, is this a sign of, you know, are they actually going to move on from Dalvin Cook? Because I know their, their cap situation isn't the best in the world. And, 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 you know, Dalvin could fetch potentially a pretty penny. He still does a lot of things. Um, so we'll see about that. You know, still a lot of time left in this offseason. Defensively, the Zerdari Smith stuff is weird because he just had a really good season. And then all of a sudden he asked for a trade. Well, wh why is he asking for a trade? Because I thought he really loved it in Minnesota. I know he has several quotes about how much he loved playing with the Vikings. Um, you know, he kind of loved going to the Vikings to spurn the Packers, who maybe he felt disrespected by, um, but all of a sudden has 10 and a half sacks and, and now he wants a trade. Well, uh, you know, time will tell whether or not they're able to make that deal happen, um, but they go out and sign Marcus Davenport. Now, at first, I saw this move and I was like, oh, that's a great move. I think Marcus Davenport is a great young edge rusher, but I had my years actually mixed up at this point. In 2021, he had nine sacks. This past year, he had half a sack, if I remember correctly. And I had to go back and like look through his games and kind of like rack my mind. I could not believe this. So they forked out a one million or excuse me, one year, $13 million deal for um, an edge rusher while premium position. Half a sack is kind of incredible. Like it's almost hard to do especially for a guy that was touted as, you know, an upcoming edge rusher, especially coming off that nine sacks in 21. So it's, it's kind of odd. They lost Dalvin Tomlinson. This was a really bad defense last year. And part of that was stopping the run. They still have Harrison Phillips, but they've lost a really good defense tackle in Tomlinson. They got rid of Eric Kendricks. That was more of a cap casualty and an age number. Um, they're keeping Harrison Smith. They waived Cam Dantzler, a promising third round pick from a couple of years ago. There's just so many right, right, right. things uh, that, as we put it, like they haven't really done stuff to really make them a loser, but they haven't stopped themselves or they haven't done anything to make themselves a winner or keep themselves out of the losers. So very teetering uh, franchise at this point. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, this I'm sure never happened to you, but did happen to me a lot, um, like in high school or college, like the Sunday, um, you know, where you just kind of chill and you just let yourself do nothing. Like, and you can't like stop yourself. You're like, I know I need to do something productive. Like, I know I need to study or like do this homework or whatever, but you just can't like for whatever reason, like pry yourself off of the couch. And then Sunday night hits and you're like, well, like these are the consequences of my actions. Like, this is stupid. I should have like done the work. And that's kind of the Vikings. It's like, it's 8 p.m. You know what I mean? And the Vikings haven't even had dinner yet. Like, it's just the clock is ticking. It's like, man, like, this night has gotten really awkward for you. Um, you mentioned Marcus Davenport, the half sack last year. It's not like he played in, like, three games, right? To where, like, oh, well, you know what? He played in 15 games last year for, for the Saints. Um, he's had such a weird career. I will never forget being so confused when they traded up in the first round. And we all thought it was for Lamar Jackson, and they wound up being for him. Um, the Vikings, at the moment in time that we're doing this show, which is uh, about 1030 Central on Monday the 20th, um, over the cap currently has them last in salary cap space. They are one of two teams in the red, along with the Baker Nears, um, who aren't even a million dollars into the red, but still, um, uh, just, yeah, like a, a really, there's, there's nothing that they have done that I can sit here and be like, oh, well, this is the logic behind that. You know, like maybe the Adam Thielen thing, like, fine, you let this dude walk. Like maybe he's a little washed, whatever, but you know, you have Justin Jefferson fine, but like, I, I, they, that's why, like, I feel like they're directionless and they were close. Like I I'm, I'm so bummed for them. Cause it feels like they've only regressed and they had an opportunity last year. They obviously failed to capitalize on it. And it feels like they're not going to be able to do anything this coming season. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh, Kevin O'Connell has created a phenomenal uh, environment. Uh, Vikings were number one in those report cards that the NFLPA recently released. So, I mean, in terms of right. all these off the field things that would draw free agents, and make the Vikings a very ideal destination for pretty much anyone in the NFL. It's weird to see them not capitalize on some of those things because a lot of teams do seem to. Uh, other ones up there were the the Raiders and a lot of guys with uh, teams with newer. Uh, uh, buildings and headquarters and stuff like that seem to have been kind of capitalizing on all of that. But the Vikings are like, they just have so much going for them and yet nothing is happening. And it just kind of doesn't compute for, for us who kind of look deeply into these things. 27th in overall DVOA last season, the Vikings were 20th offensively, 27th on defense, 30th on special teams. I know everybody made a big deal about the one score wins and whatever. And like, they, they, they are doing everything they can to like regress. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Which is really unfortunate. I saw, um, you mentioned the report card thing. Um, I saw Kirk Cousins posted on his Instagram story. Um, it was like a box of balls. And he, he wrote like, I requested these yesterday and our training staff had them like worked and sent over to me immediately. Like, these are the things that, um, that, that are why we think that they're the best in the NFL. So like, if you're wondering like what the context is, like that was kind of cool. Like, you know, Kirk Cousins doesn't live there, I guess in the off season. Um, so it's just kind of cool to see like some, you know, some details to that story. So, um, okay. Swing us. Um, you can go negative, you can go positive, whatever you want to do, Michael next team. Yeah. So this is one, uh, I don't think people were talking about enough, but I think the Browns have had uh, a pretty good off season Whoa. so far, just in terms of, uh, knowing what their weaknesses were and getting guys at good prices to fill those needs. So um, as I said, the Vikings lost Dalvin Tomlinson. Well, the Browns signed him to help up that run defense, which was hugely awful uh, this past season, almost rivaled the Chargers in terms of how bad it was. They get a good young safety, very athletic in Juan Thornhill, former chief. They re-signed center Ethan Pochich uh, to a good deal. And then you've got young up-and-coming guys, Ogbo Okoronkwo, off the edge, um, you've got Tristan Hill, former Cowboy, um, defensive tackle, along with Maurice Hurst. So two more, three total defensive tackles so far added this offseason. Uh, and then Jordan Aikens, a, a former Texans tight end who has uh, good synergy with their quarterback. So um, I just like the, the amount of moves. And while it's not like super high quality, the quantity quality ratio balance, I think, is really good there for kind of a, an underrated offseason so far for the Browns. Um, I didn't have them on my list. I mean, the Browns, I feel like have really faded in the world of significance for a lot of people for obvious reasons, but those, those are fair points and objective points. Um, I, I mean, I, I saw the restructure to Sean Watson's contract, like, whoa, big surprise. Like NFL teams can create salary cap space whenever they want. Um, they're in a, in a weird place too. I mean, the Browns, like, I mean, the scrutiny they're facing is fair and warranted and everything, but like, what are they going to look like? I mean, I think everyone understood that in a football sense, they were going to be very weird this past season. So this is kind of it. Like, you know, and I, I don't know that there's an it that they can, there isn't to be very clear, an it that they can achieve. And everyone's like, oh, it was worth it because there isn't an it. Um, but like, are you going to be a good team? Like, I feel like Kevin Stefanski low key is on the hot seat, right? Like, I mean, it's been a long time at this point. He is one of 
three coaches left from the 2020 um, hiring cycle, him, Mike McCarthy, and Ron Rivera. Um, so, like, it's been a minute, and I had forgotten this. Do you remember that Kevin Stefanski, and this isn't his fault, but he wasn't even there for the playoff win? Did, I had forgot he was he was on the COVID list that game. I forgot all about that. Yeah, I, I'm i now remembering it. Yeah, that's so weird. So, <laughs> like, it was very strange. Like, they're just – they're in a, in a different place, uh, the Browns, again, for obvious reasons. But this is kind of a, a put-up year for a lot of people in that organization. And so they're kind of acting like it, to your point. Um, so, okay. Um, that was fair. I hadn't really, like I said, looked at the Browns. Like, they've, they've sort of been off my mind for a long time. Um, so you went positive. So you're leaving me um, the negative side, which I'm really not a fan of. Um, but it's okay. Um, how about the L.A. Rams? Um I said this actually to you last year on, on Monday football Monday. I feel like nobody cared that the Rams won the Super Bowl a year ago, right? Like there, there are a lot of people who care, who bothered by the fact that the chiefs want it. I'm sure you're chief among them. Um, but, but like no, nobody was like bothered that the Rams. it was like, okay, like, like cool. And then like, I feel like nobody even cared that Sean McVay was like going to retire and going to go into like broadcasting. Everybody's like, okay, like, fine. You know, let us know like what, what's going on here. Nobody really cares about this whole story. Um, the Rams traded Jalen Ramsey um, and didn't really, you know, get, I feel like a lot for him. A lot of us were like, that's it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I understand that Ramsey wanted to go there and the Rams are kind of stuck. And I, I know a lot of people are dunking on them. Like, well, this is the consequence of like going all in if them picks, blah, blah, blah. I don't totally view it that way. I think they've just made some bad decisions. And I think that they've also been the benefit or the benefactors of some poor luck. Obviously Cooper cup got hurt. Matthew Stafford got hurt. There are still the rumblings about Matthew Stafford. What's going on. But like, they have Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald. That those things I'm very, very confident in. They have nothing else that I feel like good about. Like even Matthew Stafford, I'm kind of like, eh, on like the Rams. Like, what have they done? Like, like how how are we supposed to believe they're gonna be better in 2023? Yeah, I think you're absolutely correct. Um, I think people in a way got bored of the Sean McVay Rams style of like team building over the years because it was it was just you know hemorrhaging first round picks for for good guys, giving good players huge amounts of money, and yes. It did pay off, right? I mean, you can say that, but again, it's almost weird. Like people just kind of expected it to happen because of all the things that they were doing. They finally won the Super Bowl. Everyone goes, wow, good for them. They finally did it. Now let's go and focus on like all these other teams doing it uh, the way we've all kind of come accustomed to um, who have picks, who have, uh, you know, exciting players and still future ahead of them because right now the Rams are dealing, you know, with a lot of those ramifications. They did get rid of Jalen Ramsey for probably a price that not many people expected. Um, now you are left with Matt Stafford, uh, Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald. Um, and again, like you said, people are still really iffy on Matthew Stafford because there's just been way too much talk on, you know, his arm. And I guess I can't remember if arthritis mm-hmm. was the word thrown in there, but just, he just had these chronic problems with his, uh, his throwing arm and shoulder. Um, and then they're also hemorrhaging like any other good player that they kind of had through the past couple of years. Leonard Floyd, uh, Greg Gaines is a, a former teammate of Vita Vea at Washington, who people really liked as well. Um, he's now with the Buccaneers, I believe, joining Vita Vea uh, uh, down there in Florida. And then like, I don't know, it's weird. You say the Aaron Donald Cooper Cup, but then like what? Cam Akers, unfortunately, has had like a weird up and down um, saga in his career. Um, they wanted to get rid of him. That yeah. that story like went away. It was like he's played his last down for the Rams and then he was back. It was very strange. Yeah, it was very weird. He was just like upset about how things were going. And then he just stuck around. And unfortunately for him, it paid off. But again, like that, like, the offense is literally turned into Cooper Cup. Like if you look at all their numbers, all their splits, and rightfully so, like he's a great wide receiver. Um, if that's how your team wins, do it. But like obviously that's not sustainable. Um, Aaron Donald had like a down year last year by his standards, while it was like fine uh, for a normal defensive tackle, but by Aaron Donald's standards, it was not that great. So all of a sudden, I think there's just a billion questions in the air. And like Sean McVay, I don't think anyone would have been surprised if he retired because he saw the hole, this potential hole that he dug. You know, they won the Super Bowl, but at what cost? And then he comes back and says, you know what? I owe the Rams more. Um, I'm going to accept this challenge. So now he's trying to earn a lot more salt for himself as a coach saying, this is a bad situation that we're in now, but I'm going to show you guys how good of a coach I actually am. It's not just being held up by, by good players. I'm going to coach the seemingly really bad team to success going forward and show you guys that I'm much more than just a guy who played it by his own way and I'm now dealing with the consequences. Do you do you believe that's possible? Like, like 
you know, and by the way, it's amazing that the Rams sucked last year. Like they were really bad yeah. and they were still not even last in the NFC West. Like shout out to the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, absolutely crazy. Um, I do think it's possible. Um, I probably would have said, yeah, it's for sure possible before uh, seeing how bad they were in 2022. But, you know, who cares if you have all these other good players, if their offensive line is as bad as it is. Like it, it just didn't look like a Sean McVay offense. It was always very efficient, um, getting guys open in space, yards after the catch. He could scheme like anybody open. That's just how McVay has, you know, found his success. Um, but they like couldn't do anything. It was so weird watching that offense sputter, regardless of who was at quarterback, because it felt like, you know, if he did it with Jared Goff back in the day, he could do it with almost anybody, you know, based on how we thought about Jared Goff back then. Uh, it just was one of the most boring teams to watch last year, for sure. Um. I'm looking at this right now. So they had a negative 77 point differential last year. Other than that, every year was super positive under Sean McVay, except for 2019 when they missed the playoffs. They were only plus 30. Prior to his arrival, they had a negative point differential in 13 straight seasons. That's wild. Like, I mean, you know, so maybe it is kind of like jarring because it feels like they've really um, sort of fallen off or whatever. But I mean, it's probably not as bad as like, we. Like, I, they might be a candidate like right for positive regression. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh, same um, with the Vikings are probably negatively regression. Uh, same fashion. Yeah, I can see that. They are plus 400, according to our friends at DraftKings, to win the NFC West next year. Like, if I had to take a flyer on a team, that might be it. You know what I mean? Like, that, I might be willing to do that. Um, like, the Panthers are plus 300. I would much rather bet on the Rams than the Panthers, I think, personally, even though they have the number one overall pick. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Um, okay, uh, where do you want to go next? Michael, um, actually, you do a negative. You, I'll do negative. Or, I know. Whatever. Actually, negative, positive, whatever you want. I'm, I'm sorry. I should have let you pick whatever. Um, let's see. I think I'm going to go negative. I'm going to take that off your, your shoulders here. Um, and I'm going to say the, you know, well, let's go with the commanders. Let's um, I think let's let's dunk on them a little bit. Uh, speaking of the NFL report cards, uh, commanders were, I want to say, far and away the worst team by all those measures. And I understand there's a lot of off field drama that has followed. Washington for the last couple of years. But I mean, it only, I guess, reinforced all the in play in workplace, like toxicity and, and drama going on there. Um, because the NFL report card did have things like how did they treat their family? And it's like every training, coaching, strength staff member and how the players viewed, you know, how they're taken care of. There was things down to like food and like how the cafeteria is and all this stuff. And I mean, it was just pretty much F's across the board. So right away, Commanders took a huge L to begin the offseason. I mean, just for something so transparent to come out and paint your franchise as like besides the Dan Snyder stuff, it is like the worst place to work if you're in the NFL. I mean, it is absolutely terrible to see that to, to start the offseason. But then you just kind of look at, you know, what have they done so far in free agency? Well, 
Ron Rivera and even past coaches like the 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 commanders have been in QB purgatory for I don't know how long. Right. There's a lot of these franchises that just they do enough to 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 get a QB out there who can like play games, maybe win some games, but not do anything crazy. And it's always like a good enough QB that kind of stops them from committing to getting a higher draft pick for a QB and stuff like that, or at least putting them in that situation to draft another QB. So Jacoby Brissett comes in, who I think played really well last year. Uh, I think he might be an upgrade over Wentz and even Taylor Heineke, but like, is he going to, again, be a guy that you maybe uh, see have some success and go, well, I mean, this year probably don't need a quarterback. And you kind of find yourself saying that year after year after year. Um, as far as their other moves, linebacker Cody Barton from the Seahawks, fine. They uh, picked up Cam Dantzler, who was released by the Vikings earlier this year. Uh, they did sign former Chiefs right tackle Andrew Wiley. They got former Giants uh, offensive guard Nick Gates, who I believe can play center and guard. Uh, so two offensive linemen to help a team that looks like they're going to want to run the ball, uh, right? They have Brian Robinson. Um, they have Gibson as well, who kind of like underwhelmed last year, but still has a lot of talent. So they, they're kind of showing you what team they do want to be going for. Jacoby Brissett's not going to throw it 40 plus times a game. He's going to be a game manager and then you're going to want to run the football. So I just, all these are kind of mid to me, nothing super crazy. Um, again, free agents aren't clamoring to come to Washington, uh, but they've made some moves. I think they're fine. But overall, I just don't think they've done enough to put themselves in a quicker enough of a situation to get to a better spot. They just kind of seem to be middling and okay with middling. And it looks like they're going to be middling for the foreseeable future. So Brandon and I do the NFC's mixtape every week, obviously. And last week, um, we were really chastising Washington for their lack of action at the quarterback spot. And this was before, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo had gone to the Raiders and, you know, we'd seen, you know, Mike White going to the Dolphins and things like that. Like we'd seen some dominoes start to fall. And to be clear, I don't think that those are the answers, but like you can't be doing nothing. Like, and we actually were like, what are you going to do? Jacoby Brissett. And then they wound up obviously with Jacoby Brissett. And I think Jacoby's a fine player, but like, um, a spoiler alert again, I have the Cowboys woo, and the Giants both on my winner's list. The Eagles were in the Super Bowl last year. So it's like, dude, you're in the division, in a division rather, with some top dogs. Like literally every single team in the division they play in was in the divisional round of the playoffs. Like they were three of the four teams in the divisional round of the playoffs on the NFC side of things. So like you got to be doing something to catch them. And I feel like use the word mid, like that's like cool. Like Terry McLaurin's really nice. I mean, um, Hogshaven right now has a depth chart um, available, like a, a loose one based on what we've seen so far in free agency. Okay, Andrew Wiley, it will be very fun to watch him play the Eagles for, because of all the drama. But, like, I love Terry McLaurin. I love Jahan Dotson. I, you know, Brian Robinson's really good. But, like, okay, like, Sam Howell, Jacoby Brissett, like, this, it's it's all going to go as, as they go. And, like, if they're just not – like, again, I, I think m much more highly of Daniel Jones than I do either of those players right now. And so, like – I feel like they're really trapped and I feel like you're right. There's a lot happening off the field and it's unfortunate that they have to deal with that as far as like football operations go. But this, I mentioned Kevin Stefanski is one of three coaches from the class of 2020. So is Ron Rivera. I mean, Ron, Ron Rivera, I feel like this, this has to be it. Like he has to do something sizable or else why are they going to keep him around for another season? He's a great leader and has helped, I think, bring some level of legitimacy, like the bare minimum um, to them from a football standpoint, but they are just, I feel like they're floundering in the wind right now. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think Ron Rivera's resume and everything that precedes him is a big reason why he is still there in Washington and why he's getting another year uh, this year to, to see what else he can do. But I think you're right. I don't think he's positioned well to even have a chance to do something to wow anybody and say, like, this is why I need to keep coaching the commanders for the foreseeable future. Um, I think, uh, unfortunately, he's destined to fail. And that just sucks because, you know, everyone's a big Ron Rivera fan. Um, it just sucks he was put in that situation. Maybe he chose wrong when he was, you know, trying to find his uh, his next head coaching job after the Panthers. But um, overall, it just sucks to see. You respect and love, uh, love a guy like that so much. But I just don't know how he does anything um, of value really going forward. I mean, if even if they go 500, what does that do? It pro Probably everybody else in the division went 500 as well. So, like, you know, I don't know. It's just it's an unfortunate situation for Rivera. Um, it sounded like you got a Discord notification. Is that true? Uh, I thought I muted all my stuff, but I am in twenty thousand. No, no, no. I ask, I ask because I'm new in the Discord game. So maybe you and I we talk we talk about Discord on Discord after this recording. So we'll see about <laughs> that. Um, so anyway, uh, that's a different topic. Um, okay, uh, let's swing. Well, I mentioned the New York Giants, so I'm I'm really trying to set it up so that you pick the Cowboys, Michael. Just sort of uh, the Giants traded for Darren Waller. 
Uh, they signed Paris Campbell. It, it should be mentioned, while it's not like free agency technically, they did get the long-term deal done with Daniel Jones. They got Saquon Barkley back on their franchise tag. This offense got a lot better, and I think if anybody earned the benefit of the doubt or just the benefit in general last season, it was Brian Dable. So now Brian Dable has that offense to work with. I'm not a big believer in tight ends. That's why, like, all these Cowboys fans are like, oh, like, Dalton Kincaid. And, like, I don't want – don't be spending your first-round pick on a tight end, please. Like, you know, I know you and Irv Smith are, are friends and, like, you go to the same barber and all that stuff. But, like, I don't – you know, I don't need to – you know, I'm, I'm not p- placing a high value on a tight end right now. But still, Darren Waller is an elite he, – he might be the best – skill position player that Daniel Jones has ever had that isn't Saquon. Um, so, and, and their defense is getting better. They got Bobby Okariki from the Indianapolis Colts. Like, like they are back. Like the, this used to be two games that, that the Cowboys could at least, you know, kind of lock up. And those are easy dubs. I think Dak Prescott's like 10 and one against the Giants in his whole career, something ridiculous like that. I mean, but now like they, they are a force. They, I would pick them to be a wildcard team again next season. I don't see why not. Like they, they have had a wonderful off season so far. Yeah, I'd say so as well. Um, real quick before we get into the Giants, I just want to uh, say I'm not happy about the Raiders trading Darren Waller because the man just got married. <laughs> and then two days later, it's uh... shipped off across the entire country to go play for the Giants. And I just, as a person who's a fan of love and marriage, that's just very unfortunate. Mm. So uh, uh, not a big fan. I did want to, just on that note, because that trade happened right after we recorded the mixtape. Like, the NFC East blew up last week, like, right after we recorded the episode. But so um, it was noted that the pick that the Giants gave up was the pick they got from Kansas City in the Kadarius-Tony trade. So I, I do recognize your uh, respect for Darren Waller's personal life, which is notable and commendable. But it's obviously a good thing for the Chargers that he's out of the division. But think about that trade if you're the Chiefs. That pick not only landed you Kadarius Tony, who helped you win the Super Bowl, but it also got Darren Waller out of the division. Like what a what an incredible usage of a pick for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, that's uh that's 4D chess if I've ever seen anything. Right. Whether it was intentional or not, uh the Chiefs somehow uh you know broke the fourth wall and got that done. I'm not sure how they did it. Right. Yeah, going back to the Giants, uh man, it was crazy because I we saw them get to the divisional round. I believe they started the first half of the season. I want to say like seven and two or like seven, one and one. It was something, something very good, right? They were obviously, one they were them. seven and three. And then, and then the wheels kind of started. Right. I think they finished like two, five and one in their last eight games or something like that. And uh, I, I thought the latter half of the season was more like what the giants should have been in the first half. You know, I thought maybe the giants went on like a Vikings esque, you know, streak of luck in the first season and or the first half of the season. And if they like, if they didn't go that well, they would not have been a divisional round team. So like, if anything, I thought the giants were actually much closer to frauds uh, compared to like their final uh, record in the regular season last year. But then they go and they, they have a good divisional round or wild card round. They beat the Vikings. Um, and then I was like, you know what? Like this team just has something. It has it. I don't know what Brian Dable has done, um, but to be able to, to keep the ship righted, in the right direction um, and to be able to do what he did with the talent on this team, because yes, they have some talent, but there's some other places where you're like, I don't know how he's winning with these players, but he had them, had them playing super well. Wink Martindale on that defense, man, you can really see when a defense is like bought into everything that they are and then their mission and their coach. And that's what the giants looked like, especially in the first half of the season, man, they were intimidating. They were rough. They were willing to, didn't matter who they were lining up in front of, they were punching you in the mouth. And I think that's a big reason for their success early on. Uh, so I do absolutely love it. Uh, Darren Waller, like you said, might be, uh, you know, the best skill player aside from Saquon that Jones has played with. I'd say by far the best uh, pass catcher, unless there's someone I'm, I'm completely omitting, but like, this is an elite tight end, an elite pass catcher in general, right? So for to get a guy like that for Jones, for the price they did, I'm not sure the contract numbers off the top of my head, but it just seems like too good of a deal. I mean, you have to worry about Saquon Barkley, and now you've got like, like a legitimate guy down the field that can threaten you at every single level of the defense. So I do think it's huge. You know, I don't know if Daniel Jones, the second contract is going to work out. Who knows what type of player he'll be going forward? I don't think, you know, people still aren't fans of him since he was picked super high in that draft. But at the end of the day, they believe they can win with this guy. And if Dabble believes it, I trust in Dabble. Um, and I have high hopes for the Giants going forward. It's It's been, I think the Giants and Vikings, like the fact that they met in the playoffs was really funny just because they were both like the fraud teams, right? Like, and so it was like, who's going to be the like actual fraud? And it was the Vikings. And so 
I, I feel like they've approached the offseason in, in the ways that they kind of played that game. Like the Giants have been aggressive and they've been going at it and they've been proving that they're actually a little bit more for real than we were willing to give them credit for. And the Vikings are proving like maybe we were frauds. You know, what I mean? like we're just kind of content to sit here and fraud them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the Giants deserve all credit in the world. Um, it's a big bummer. Um, and I hate it. But, um, yeah, Daniel Jones, it was four years, $160 million. I mean, look, people, like you're right. People are going to be like, oh, how could you give him all this money? It's like, dude, like. Do you not know what life is like? You have you have to have a franchise quarterback. It's a prerequisite. Like you you do not get into the club without one of these things. You have to have one. So what's your you're gonna let Daniel Jones walk to sign Jimmy Garoppolo to save five million dollars a year? Like that's dumb. I mean, you know, just you know, stick with your guy, move forward, prosper. Um, okay, so my pick was the Giants. Who do you want to go? Uh positive, negative. Um, we went positives, so maybe negative again, but it's up to you. I don't know if if you, I don't know if you muted yourself, Michael. Maybe Discord muted you. Probably Discord. My yeah. bad. So you, we went back to back yeah. negatives before uh, right. before that positive, and you know for no reason whatsoever, okay. for no you know poking and prodding. Um, I think I do have to name the Dallas Cowboys as a winner um, for this one. Um, again, no reason at all. Um, was just sitting here minding right. my business, and they popped into my head. Super objective. Right. Super super. Mm -hmm. So uh, I you know I said before we started shooting, I was like I can't believe. You guys got Brandon Cooks. I have just been a fan of Brandon Cooks just for the sake of um, the value he has retained from team to team to team for the production that he keeps putting out there from team to team, no matter who's throwing in the football. There's just something special about a player who has like plot armor almost in the NFL because we see a lot of really good players who just switch from their first team to their second team. And then two years later, you've never heard of them since. Like it's just, it happens so many times. The grass isn't always greener. Yada, yada, yada. But for whatever reason, Brandon Cooks is just like, yeah, man, I just come to work and I ball out. Like, there's just nothing that he does, like, terribly wrong. Uh, he's not even the most, like, complete receiver in the NFL. But he's just like, yeah, I'm just, like, good at getting a 1,000 yards every year. I don't care who's throwing me the ball. I catch it, make plays, and all that stuff. So absolutely huge. Um, I, I question it a little bit because wasn't Mike McCarthy the one saying, like, we're going to run the dang ball? And then he goes out and he gets, like, a really fast wide receiver. And I understand that, like, helps with the play-action game. It does help um, influence the, the defense and stuff like that. So, like, there is a bunch of positives for still getting, you know, a good wide receiver in free agency. Um, but I just thought that was kind of funny after what he said publicly on, on where he wants the offense to go. And then, of course, you got you got to name Stephon Gilmore. Um, he obviously is an older Stephon Gilmore. Obviously, he won Defensive Player of the Year in 2019. I still think he's a very good player was a good player for the Colts, hopefully is a good player for the Cowboys as well. Just two big names to add to a team who has been one of the more exciting groups over the last few years, offensively, defensively, tons of talent on both sides of the ball. And you just added two guys with like legitimate name power as well to that, to that same franchise. So I think these are both awesome moves. Um, it took the Cowboys two fifth round picks, obviously both this year. Uh, one of them, uh, their one of their two, they had two, so they had their original fifth round pick and then they picked up two fifth round compensatory picks. They sent one of the comp picks to the Colts for Stefan Gilmore. They sent their original fifth and a sixth next year to the Texans for Brandon cooks. Um, you mentioned the McCarthy. So my point is like, you get two starters for fifth round picks. Like what a, you know, like that's the world you want to live in. Um, you mentioned McCarthy's comments. Um, I'm a little bit more sensitive to those just like living in the Cowboys world. Because uh, a lot of Cowboys fans are so quick to dunk on McCarthy that just like that's McCarthy is a is a bluffer, man. Like, and I'm not saying like he's going to come out and throw the ball like 50 times a game, but like it was never going to be that. You know what I mean? Like that was just the, the Joneses want to hear that they're going to run the ball. So like to your point, since McCarthy said those words, the Cowboys released Zeke Elliott, who is like the identity of, you know, being a bell cow running team, whatever, uh, which was a difficult thing for them to do. They've been really emotionally attached to Zeke and traded for Brandon Cooks. Um, so, you know, again, maybe a little bit of smoke and mirrors on McCarthy's part. Um, these are the types of moves that Cowboys fans have wanted to see forever. I mean, forever and ever and ever. Uh, there were discussions for them in terms of trading for Cooks in the middle of last season before the deadline talks about a second or third round pick. So they obviously got him at, at you know way better value. Uh, you mentioned it. He is super, super, super productive. Um, you know, we were obviously super pumped about the trade at Blog and the Boys. Uh, so I was just looking up some some Brandon Cooks numbers since 2020, which is just his Texans career, and obviously not the best quarterback play in that time. He did have the one year with Deshaun Watson. Uh, since 2020, there are 17 receivers who have at least 2,800 yards and 15 touchdowns, and he is one of them. Um, so is CeeDee Lamb, and so is Amari Cooper. And this kind of felt like – I felt like Andy Dufresne at the end of the tunnel, like finally getting through the Amari Cooper stuff. Like it was, it was like, okay, now we're free. You know what I mean? Like this Amari Cooper ghost has like lived in our heads rent-free for a year. Um, so th this is finally – and and – to that point, this is the Cowboys finally acknowledging that they effed up. You know what I mean? Like it was a bad trade then. It remains a bad trade. And 
to this point, they hadn't done anything because they didn't want to accept that. They didn't want to admit that it was bad. So um, they, they have acted like a team that was really close last year and that can sense that and can taste that and wants to move forward. And my last kind of takeaway on them and how they've acted is there has been a lot of change with regards to Dak Prescott. So Zeke was cut, Dak's BFF, right? From day one, um, he had an Instagram post that was a hat. I don't, I don't know if you know this, um, 214 is the area code for Dallas, one of them, the more prominent one. And so I was like, they were 21-4. Like, it was just like a big thing this entire time. Um, yeah, so like Dak posted this photo and it was like this big emotional thing. And this has been an emotional thing. But so Zeke's gone, one of his BFFs. Kellen Moore's gone. You know that very well. Obviously, new LA Chargers offensive coordinator Doug Nussmeyer's gone. You know that very well. Um, I mean, I kind of like that they're, you know, hey, Dak, be a little bit uncomfortable. Like, I kind I kind of like that a little bit. And I'm a big Dak guy. I'm wearing a Dak Prescott hoodie right now while we're doing this. Like, I, I kind of like that they're forcing Dak to kind of like this is a business, man. Like, it, it can't all just be your best buddies all the time. And I'm not accusing Dak of, of you know, rigging the game that way, but um, it, it feels like they understand that they're making. I want to say cold, but they're making objective business related decisions. Uh, and that's what helps lead to players like Stefan Gilmore and now Brandon Cooks. It is a big win. I'm I'm very, very pleased. I haven't been this excited about a Dallas Cowboys offseason in a very long time. Yeah, I think that's I mean, it's super great to hear just from someone who had uh, as a Chargers fan enjoyed a offseason last year. That was very cool to see. As you said, this these were moves that the Cowboys fan base have been waiting a long time for. Last season, the the Chargers before that weren't really known for making big sweeping uh, moves in free agency as well. They they traded a second and a late round pick for Khalil Mack, obviously ties to Brandon Staley. Um, they went out and signed J.C. Jackson to a huge deal. Um, unfortunately for the Chargers, what those two turned into were J.C. Jackson, unfortunately, being kind of one of the worst defensive backs to step on a field last year before the the severe injury that uh doesn't we don't know if he's going to be ready for the start of this next season i mean it was that severe i think it was week seven against the seahawks um i mean it was like he, he allowed two touchdowns that game and then the injury one of the touchdowns came on the injury i mean you couldn't have wrote like a worse script for a very promising player going to a new team and obviously chargers spend a lot of money on him very unfortunate um hope he comes back strong and then Khalil mack had i want to say seven sacks in the first eight or nine weeks and then he had one sack through the final seven or eight games of the second half of the season so not exactly the way you want those things to go. Uh, Joey Bosa was obviously hurt for, I want to say, 12 games. Again, the first year where Mack and Bosa were going to play together, they're just never on the field together. So it can turn out very in the other direction, right? You have this hope and this hype, um, but these are still very two very good moves. And I mean, history shows that they're going to be healthy, that they're going to be productive. And I think Cowboys fans can feel very good and, and have some solace there while Khalil Mack was coming off, you know, a season where he only played six games. Uh, J.C. Jackson was healthy, but again, people thought he wasn't a good fit in L.A. So overall, I just hope from fan to fan that these work out and you can feel good about it going into the season. Hmm. Uh, right on. Well, um, shout out to the Dallas Cowboys, America's team. Uh, you picked the Cowboys, which means I am next. Uh, we've done two positives. Um, you put this on here. It might have been you or Rachel. I think it was you. Uh, the New England Patriots. Um, was that it you? Was me, yeah. That was you, right? Um, okay, I'll make your case for you. Um, so your notes say Juju is mid. Uh, literally wrote that in a document. Uh, James Robinson, top 16 running back money without Ramondre Stevenson. The James Robinson thing was very strange. How the Jets traded for him last year after the Brees Hall injury and then like didn't use him at all. Just he's had a very strange, you know, last you know, 365 days or so. Um, yeah, I mean, the Patriots are in a very, very weird spot. They paid Mike Gusecki. Uh, it's, I mean, not a lot. It's one year. I think it's up to $9 million. Um, but, like, what are they? Like, what are, like, we're, we're deep enough into the post-Brady world now where, like, we ha there's a big sample size. You know what I mean? Like, it, at first it was like, okay, well, they're still kind of figuring things out. Like, no, we're three years in. Like, they are mid. Like, that. that's where the Patriots are. Like, I feel like this about the Rams. Like, I made this uh, joke to somebody, but, like, the Rams are turning into the team they used to be before they moved to LA and Sean McVay got there and they were like forced down our throats. Like they were just a team that existed. And I know we're, you know, maybe not old enough to like fully, fully, you know, vouch for this, but like the Patriots are turning into the team they were before Tom Brady arrived, like just another team in the NFL. Like they've, they've lost all their shine, all their luster, you know, like their only primetime games in the future are going to be like the one Thursday night game and maybe a Sunday night game. If they're playing the chiefs, like the Patriots are just whatever at this point, like I, I like nothing they do makes me inspired. Yeah, I, uh, I'll tell you what, I didn't know you were going to read my notes verbatim or else I would have been more uh, nuanced and uh, said more things um, to not sound like a, a little bit of an idiot. There. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. Oh my gosh. Okay, so yeah, I just, 
you know, Juju was signed for 25 uh, million. And I think they could have found a similar deal to a guy who was already on the team in Jacoby Myers, um, just in terms of, you know, I think it's more of a lateral move than anything else. And maybe you could have had someone still there who has been in the system, who's proven to be successful um, with your quarterback. Um, that's all my thoughts there. James Robinson, again, coming off, you know, a little lackluster season. Uh, Ramondre is kind of the headliner in that backfield. But I guess if you do look at the Patriots identity over the last couple of years, they do want like kind of a proven back to also be a one, two tandem. I'm um, in the backfield. It's never been a fantasy friendly backfield, right? So Ramondre, it's probably going to be the guy you target in that essence, but like Robinson is still going to get his touches. Riley Reef signed, you know, a journeyman tackle from the Vikings to the bears, to the Bengals. Um, He's just kind of a guy. And then you know, I, I think the Patriots can get the most out of him. Again, probably a little lackluster of a pick, but they've proven that they can uh, get the most out of some, uh, I guess, lower tier offensive linemen. And then Gasicki, you know, they they pair him with Hunter Henry. And I again, when you talk about lateral moves, I know Johnny Smith and Gasicki are not the same player by any means, very different builds, very different ways to win, but they're both non-traditional, like well-rounded Y tight ends. Um, you're just kind of trading a little bit of how they win. One is yak yards after the catch, more of a playmaker in, in the low to intermediate parts of the field. Kasiki is going to be your red zone guy uh, up the seams as well. And again, they're going to have their niche. So to me, I think the Patriots were just like, mm, you know, we're not going to get a, a competent uh, tight end two that can run and bl- or run block and also catch passes, but we're going to get a guy who can win the way he can. And we maybe just like the flavor of Gasicki over Johnny Smith right now. And obviously they're paying a lot less money for Gasicki. So at the end of the day, that was probably it, but I'm interested to see how they use Gasicki going forward. Yeah. I mean, I guess, and the John thing is whatever, like that was one of the worst free agent contracts handed out in recent memory. Um, I mean, that was when they like, was that the 2021 offseason, I think, or 20 maybe? Um, and it was like, I think it was 21. And it was like, oh, they signed John, they signed Hunter Henry. Like, they're all in. They're doing the non-Patriot thing. Like, I just, I don't know. that They have really quickly, I mean, I know it's been a few years at this point, but they've really kind of quickly fallen out of relevance. Um, and I don't know that I'm bummed about that. I don't know that anybody's bummed or anything. But, like, it's just, it's strange. It's strange to see them, like, toiling. Like, that's, they're, they're generally, obviously, for most of our lives, have been a really buttoned-up, secure well thought out logical franchise and so to see them you know so confused and befuddled is is really kind of out of character but yeah like the juju signing is emblematic to me like I, like i don't like i mean juju's a fine player but like he doesn't move the needle for anybody like where if juju were to sign here there wherever like he's not a player that completely changes your team and so the, that the patriots are the team like buying in on that it's just it's a, it's a strange time i mean like if if right now you could trade anything on the Chargers straight up for anything on the Patriots, what would it be? Like, is there something? Like, is there something you're like, man, I wish we had that? Obviously, Mac Jones for Justin Herbert. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, honestly, Ramondre Stevenson, just in terms of how lackluster the Chargers run game has been, if there was any sort of like meaningful trade that makes sense, one for one, I guess, if that's what you're referring to, uh, Ramondre Stevenson, just because the Chargers haven't had like a physically imposing back who's proven to get, you know, the tough yards, can run between the tackles consistently. Uh, I think he would be a fantastic compliment to Austin Eckler, barring he stays with the Chargers for the 2023 season. Um, yeah, I would absolutely love like a non-premier running back name who is still very successful and has proven to be that. You would trade Austin Eckler straight up for Ramondre Stevenson, is what you're saying? <sighs> you know, I, I I don't know the running back markets at this point. I'm actually like super worried that there's going to be like it's going to be like a fifth round pick type trade, right? Someone gets Austin Eckler for a fifth because all these other veterans and people have you know done it fantasy football value is not the same as real football value but i mean 38 touchdowns in two seasons still means something but again running back 28 years old what are you gonna do so i honestly have no idea i'm just if something gets done hopefully it's good but i'm not looking forward to it um okay where do you want to go next um let's see so we did that was a loser right um you know let's bounce back to let's go with a positive this time where are we done so far we've done bears giants cowboys um let's go to the niners i actually had the niners written down as one of my first ones um off the top and this one is it's kind of weird because i think you could argue that they've lost more impactful players than they've received and gained in free agency but the guy they've the top guy they've gained in free agency was javon hardrave right a defensive tackle from the eagles 11 sacks this past year for sure career high now he joins a defensive front seven with guys like nick bosa Eric Armstead, Fred Warner, Drake Greenlaw. And this defense 
essentially is predicated off the pass rush off that front seven, right? Their defensive backs, I believe I have, you know, full care in the world, full uh, uh, confidence in the world that the 49ers can draft young defensive backs um, next month. They can find cheap guys or the backups they've had on their team to be successful and do their job well enough to compliment Fred Warner, Bosa, all these guys up front. Um, I think it's absolutely huge. The 49ers didn't seem like a team that had the, st- the spending power nor the luxury to go get a guy like Javon Hargrave, but they just went ahead and, and did it. You know, they lost Emmanuel Mosley, um, a couple other defensive backs that kind of made you go, why didn't they try to like fill the holes that they've lost there? Well, it just, to me, shows that they don't care. They're going to pa- rush the passer. They're going to continue having all world, everything Fred Warner uh, continue to make impact plays. And so it's like these young defensive backs, they'll probably try to out there are confident knowing that whatever the offense is, whoever they're playing has to go through that pass rush has to go through those second level defenders before they can start to really attack and take advantage of anybody in that secondary. So I can kind of see the synergy there and how there's probably confidence, regardless of who they tried out there in the secondary, that things will be fine. And so I do really like this Hargrave move. I think it actually does move the needle for a position group that has been one of the best in the NFL for the last couple of years. I agree. Um, it seems like they're intent on capitalizing on their quarterback's rookie contract, whichever quarterback that winds up being, right? Whether that's Brock Purdy or Trey Lance. And good for you. Like, that's the way to do it, obviously. Um, and so, I, I mean, they they had maybe the best, or probably the best defense in the NFL, right? I mean, like, I know that, that you, we can quibble about that, but like, if, you know, I don't know that anybody's like scoffing at the idea that they're the best defense in the NFL. So you add Javon Hargrave to it. Like, I mean, by, by all accounts, I mean, they've lost what their last two defensive coordinators and the, and like the, you know, it just keeps on turning, just keeps on turning. They're a machine there. And so um, it's a real bummer. That's, <laughs> that's really how I feel. Um, and I think my last one, as we kind of wrap here is the NFC. So like true or false, and there's no pandering here, obviously, but like the four best teams in the NFC were the Niners in whatever order you want to put them, the Eagles, Niners, Cowboys, and Giants, right? Last year. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. Yeah. I think they've, I think they've all, I mean, I, I don't know if the Eagles have gotten better, but they've done a, a solid job of it, like trying as best they can to maintain status quo. I know that they lost Hargrave. They lost Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Like, but I do feel like they've, you know, they've held the door uh, a little bit more than most teams in, in that sort of position. So, yeah, they've weakened, but their roster is obviously very talented. So, like, they, they have really kind of maintained. And I know the NFC gets kind of made fun of, like, by you AFC purists. Like, it has all the quarterbacks and all this wonderful stuff. Like, I think the, NF- the, the the top dogs in the NFC have gotten better. And I don't know that I feel that's the case in the AFC. Like, do we feel like the Bills got better this offseason? I mean. Not exactly. I'd say the, the issues they had were finding a, a better wide receiver, too, behind Stiggs, uh, behind or getting a uh, shirt up run game. I mean, there's a couple things that I'd say uh, they needed to figure out. And they, I think they right. touched on this offseason they felt very comparable to the Cowboys last year for me. And some of that was the turnovers from Dak and Josh Allen, but some of it was like, it was, it was, you know, Dak to Allen and, and CD to Stefan Diggs. Cause there was nothing like Gabe Davis didn't really materialize. And, you know, to the point we made the Cowboys identified that and traded for Brandon cook. So like, we're kind of waiting for the bills to, you know, sort of do their thing and, and find somebody. So the bills kind of, eh, the chiefs have lost Orlando Brown, uh, which I guess makes the Bengals a bit of a winner here. Uh, they lost Juju, who did play a role on their team, obviously, but obviously they they deserve a huge benefit. The Chargers, I feel like, are just kind of chill. This Austin Eckler thing, like, is hovering, uh, which is whatever. Um, the Jaguars, last year was the big free agency period, whatever. Um, the Ravens, the Lamar thing is hang- – like, I, I mean, the, the top dogs in the NFC are coming for the top dogs in the AFC is my point. Yeah, I think I actually agree there. Um, one side has definitely tangibly gotten better. You can point to – just a number of moves on the NFC that goes like this makes their team better. That makes them better there, all this stuff. And like you said, so the chiefs um, lost Orlando Brown and are paying, I guess, you know, another tackle who is a downgrade from Brown, more money than Brown signed with the Bengals. Uh, The Bengals are kind of been fine. I think as long as Joe Joe Burrow and and Jamar Chase are there, like they're going to figure it out. But again, I can't say they've actually gotten uh, better. Like you said, the bills, um, I mean, turnovers over and over and again near the the red zone, near the goal line, it's tough to see. They haven't done anything to fix their things. And then the Chargers, I think the Chargers, you know, again, bias aside, they've been quiet. But what they've done is they got, you know, someone they, they that's eventually going to replace Drew Tranquil, who went to go sign with the Chiefs. They re-signed uh, right tackle Trey Pipkins, who by far his best season was in 2022. I don't think that's super surprising because prior to the season, the 2022 offseason, uh, was his first full year, I want to say, training with uh, Rashawn Slater, with uh, Duke Manyweather, 
um, you know, the best O-line guru that I think anyone knows right. right now. And so it's no surprise that he's at it again this offseason. And they got him for, for a good deal. You know, plays a premium position tackle. You thought somebody might have posted him, but his market wasn't as big. So Chargers got him back. Guys like Morgan Fox retained, uh, who had a career high six and a half sacks, was a big reason that defense kind of had that late surge through this uh, last part of the season. So they've made some moves. J.K. Scott, you know, punter news uh, came back to, to to shore up a special teams unit that has been one of the worst in previous seasons. Uh, now is kind of all retained under Ryan Ficken, which I think is absolutely huge. Uh, we've got Cam Dicker, man. The guy's phenomenal. Like, you finally got a kicker that seems to be sticking around the Chargers for longer than a season. So they've made some quiet moves to stay fine, but they haven't made anything that makes you go like they've gained ground in the AFC. It's more or less any team that you would consider above them either has stayed flat or maybe regressed a little. So, yeah, there's really not so much of a, a reinforcement uh, to the top of the AFC. But the NFC, yes, I believe is a different story. Good times for the NFC then. Way to go. Um, shout out to us. Uh, shout out to us, literally, uh, Michael, here uh, on Monday Football Monday at the SB Nation NFL Show. Uh, the time has come for Rachel to grace us with her presence and give us her thoughts on everything that we discussed, a winner, a loser, whatever you want, Rachel. And, of course, the illustrious MF double MVP. Uh, remember that Michael has snow, so he really doesn't need it because he has a winter window. Okay. First and foremost, shout out to Michael for filling in today. We appreciate you. In the Agreed. time that means a lot so that was i had to throw that out there first but i wanted to also throw a few of my winners and losers um when i look at like losers i'm gonna say like the veteran cornerback market because i know some of the cornerbacks who were expecting to get like big money like the james bradbury for example um jamel dean like had to take less money than they were expecting. And you also look at some of the other ones who were still like unsigned, like the Ravens, Marcus Peters. And so I think that that could be a group that's classified as like a loser so far. Um, and when I look at the winners, I really like the Giants. I agree with that one. Um, I also am going to throw out the Lions in a way because I'm looking at like their secondary and like a lot of the additions that they've made, like the CJ, GJ, like the Cameron Sutton, Emmanuel Mosley. Um, so their secondary has gotten really, really strong. In addition to those acquisitions, like they were able to retain some of their starters as well. And so I think that that could be looked at as like a win. Um, and I think. Yeah, so Giants, Lions were my winners, and the cornerback, veteran cornerback market was kind of like my losers. But looking at you guys' points from today, I really liked RJ's point about the Giants and just the fact that they're back. Like, Brian Dable deserves a lot of credit for everything that he's done, um, bringing back Saquon Barkley, Darren Waller, so good for them. Um, I also liked RJ's point about the Patriots and how you were talking about them just, like, buying in on Juju, like, how? But, uh, okay. That was Michael's point, to be very fair. I I read his notes, so that Michael deserves credit. I remember he brought it up, and you brought it up in the notes that Michael Peterson had, you know, listed it, but you made that point. And so I had to give you points for the point that you said. Uh, <laughs> Michael, I like your points about just, like, the quality versus quantity when it came to, like, the Cleveland Browns, pretty much. Um, and I also really liked your point about the – 49ers being a winner because of their front seven and like Javon Hargrave being an addition. Of course, the commanders was pretty easy because I feel like they're, we know they're a loser. Um, <laughs> so that was cool that you brought that up. And then um, RJ, I really liked your point about the NFC. Like your last point I thought was very hard hitting um, and how they have just become like, like the teams have been able to maintain versus like the AFC top dogs who have kind of like, they're kind of stagnant. Like, what are y'all doing? Um, and so based off of today, you both did a really, really good job. I'm going to give it to RJ. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, what's funny, Rachel, is the moment you gave me credit for the Patriots point, I immediately was like, that was Michael's. I don't want any credit for it. But when you gave him credit for the 49ers point, even though I wrote that on the notes, he didn't offer that same, you know, benefit back to me. He had no problem taking credit for the one I put on the notes. Uh, so just, just putting that out there. Um, Michael, it was a really fair fight. Yes. It was a lot of fun. We both came in wearing Navy hoodies. Um, you know what I mean? Both with the same spirit, the same energy. We started off great. I thought with the Baker Mayfield stuff, uh, the Taylor Swift stuff. Uh, I mean, just, you know, somebody had to win this. I'm really bummed. I feel like this was a great game and I'm just, you know, I'm glad I won and, and you know, but, but you know, I'm really proud of, of the game that we played here today. 
Yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh, I just want to shout out um, my cat, Sebastian, who has been absolutely wreaking hell next to me this entire uh, video. He is still eating a box, going through the trash, trying to bite my shoe. Um, I'm not saying it's an excuse. You know, I need to be able to block out um, distractions <laughs> like this. Um, you know, right. when I have claws imprinting into my feet, uh, I need to I need to block it out. Right. It's just outside noise. Um, you know, I just I can't be that way. So, you know, next time I'm going to I'm going to go back, work on my fundamentals. It's been a bit since I've been here. Right. So I'm going to work on my jump shot, my free throws and uh, come back even stronger next time. That's good to hear. Um, I started um, the F1 show on Netflix, um, Drive to Survive. So I'm kind of getting into this a little bit, this this F1 world. It's kind of crazy. Um, so anyone who's about to hear what I'm about to say, if you're like an F1 fan, I'm sorry for sounding really stupid. But um, so it's like a world where each team has two drivers, right? And they're on the same team, but they're still competing, right? So they're, they're competing individually, but they're competing for a team-wide title as well. Michael, I feel like you and I are the two drivers. And today I came in first, you came in second. That's really all this was. But we got the, the team win, and that's what matters the most. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, speaking of F1, just because I I didn't know so many people were into it. You know, you go into like our Slack groups and, and Schofield and some guys are talking about it um, with like real interest and stuff. And I've never been a car guy. And I, before the March Madness games this past weekend, my wife turned on one of the channels before the game and it had F1 on it. So it was like on the TV for a little bit. We're kind of watching. I think I'm in the other room making pancakes at this point. And she just looks at me and my wife goes, I'm so glad you're not a car guy. And I... <laughs> And I was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm really thinking that too. Like, I understand there's a difference probably between like your profile picture is your truck car guy and you're interested in like mm. this country, uh, you know, nationwide, whatever, worldwide uh, racing situation with these really cool souped up cars and whatever else. But that's, I thought it was the funniest thing in the world because she just said it unprompted just because it was the first time that was on our TV. That is very funny. Uh, yeah, I am not a car guy. I don't like, I... I can't be the person who's like messing with their car right. or anything like that. Like I don't, you know, miss me. It's, it's cool to watch them race. That's the level of interest I have. Um, Rachel, are, do you drive fast? Rachel? No, I don't drive fast. Rachel, what color is your car? Black. Okay. Um, don't tell anybody what it is. Cause we don't want you to get doxxed. Oh, but you know what I mean? No, just, yeah. just, just so everybody, everybody be on the lookout for a black car. Rachel might be yeah. in it. That's all I'm saying. Michael, what color is your uh, gray? Like a silver gray. Mine is white. So like we're, we're kind of like a, a transition here. You know what I'm saying? Like, like on the color scheme. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? We all kind of have them. Like they're on the lot next to one another. So that's cool. Um, wow. Uh, Michael, as we leave, tell us the ideal breakfast plate. Not the, the buffet. Like what's on your plate? You told Rachel and I that you were a big breakfast person before we started showing or recording. You told us that before. You just bragged. No big deal about making pancakes and the like car conversation with your wife. So like you're at your brunch spot of choice. Tell us what's on your plate and we're going to leave. It's, it's, the, it's up to you and your imagination, however expansive you want to get. Go for it. Uh, this isn't super hard, but like I'm going to pick between two different things. I would either do huevos rancheros or I would do a breakfast burrito uh, smothered in queso and salsa verde um, and all the fixings. So I am a big, I don't like like traditional American breakfast. Fine. Phenomenal. Gets the job done. I am a like Mexican inspired uh, breakfast person. I just, in college, there was a place called Bandito's in Iowa city when I was at Iowa that only did breakfast on the weekends. And so we get up, super hungover and we trolley in and uh mimosa huevos rancheros um every weekend it was a religious experience so um that is my type of breakfast when we were in mexico for our super late honeymoon this past summer every morning woke up on uh, breakfast on the beach and i would get all the smoked meats and seasoned stuff and phenomenal things and my wife gets like french toast and bacon and eggs and i'm like we're in mexico i'm gonna eat all this other stuff What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.